You're listening to the GameStreet.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor, and this week I'm joined by... Jeffrey Russo. And Brendan Sinclair. We're going to be talking about the biggest stories from the past week, starting with Ubisoft. Uh, there are a lot of stories around Ubisoft, uh, not the least of which is our interview with Eve Guillermo, the uh, CEO of Ubisoft. This is the first time the company's actually put Guillermo in front of journalists since the 2020 allegations, so naturally we asked him about those. Uh, answers kind of vary in terms of how much detail you get, but they were always going to. He's CEO. He's, you know, there's there's limits to how much a CEO of a public-facing company is going to say about one of the most controversial scandals to ever hit his company. Um, but I, I personally, I mean, I grant you, I'm slightly biased because I was in the conversation. I thought it actually went fairly well. It was, it was a, it was at least interesting, kind of talking to him, being able to get to address some of this. And um, the emphasis from Ubisoft has always been on how much they're doing to try and get past this and trying to improve their culture. They, they always point to the number of changes they've made behind the scenes. Um, kind of off the record, I've t- talked to a couple of people like you know that I, that I know at Ubisoft and off the scenes that they do say like a lot of things have changed. But obviously the company's still under scrutiny. There's still um, a better Ubisoft, the employee group, released uh, an interview through AC Sisterhood, which is kind of an Assassin's Creed fan group. They released an interview two days ahead of... Um, the Ubisoft Forward presentation that was at the weekend, and one day ahead of my interview with Eve, um, saying that they're, they're still not satisfied, there's still a number of issues that they they have. Um, I mean, I don't really want to kind of you know review the interview because it's, it's my own interview. Like, I, I pass to you guys then, like, your thoughts on Eve's responses. I wasn't super satisfied with all of Eve's responses, but I, I don't know how you really could be i i think when when people look at a uh a company where there were you know really well-founded uh allegations of just misconduct on that scale um i i think people are going to break down into different camps as to like what constitutes doing enough and at what point do they deserve the benefit of the doubt and uh for me um i i I think essentially and this was something like an investor asked eve um right after it happened uh either either he was ignorant of what was going on at his company which as ceo um when the situation was as pervasive as as it seems to have been Um, and reached as high up in the organization as it did for a CEO to be oblivious to all that is sort of a damning indictment of their ability to run the company and understand what's happening in their, in their own business. Uh, the other alternative explanation is that, uh, Gilmo was, was not oblivious to it and he was actually complicit in it, that he was looking the other way or, or worse, actively protecting, um, people when they were accused and either case there i think is sort of disqualifying um uh, i i might be like a little harsher about this than than some other people i think but uh, i put a large burden on on leadership um i i think too often we, we look at leaders and we just kind of like celebrate the successes of their teams and attribute it to them. And then they get 
they get the glory, they get the money, they get the power and influence. And we don't demand that they have like sort of a corresponding level of responsibility. So I, I might be a little, a little um, harsher than the average person here, but I, I, I don't see how I can fully trust that company to have addressed its issues so long as uh, Guillermo remains in charge. And a better Ubisoft is, you know, they're going to be as harsh a critic of Ubisoft as as anyone, I imagine. And they're pointing to um, senior developers who were accused of, uh, you know, just ruthlessly bullying their staff and how they are they are still at the company and they are, you know, the face of high profile projects and some have been promoted and between the two of those things i'm i'm just not really going to be all that amenable to the idea that like oh yeah the the ship is righted and everything everything has been you know fixed because there seems to be a a certain amount of accountability that has not happened like there there are examples of of studios that have sort of address this in a way that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt now. I'll point to Midboss as as an example. It's a, a studio behind 2064 read-only memories. It's, a, it's an indie studio. And uh, they they had like a, a their leader, the, the uh, I believe co-founder, Matt Kahn, was involved in a number of allegations from from staff about mistreatment several years ago and um after that con stepped back I, I believe he still owns an ownership stake in the company but from what i understand he is not involved in the day-to-day -day operations of it at all and they brought in new leadership with a new emphasis on on things and, and essentially the the problem the alleged problem is no longer involved directly with the studio and that is kind of all it really takes for me um and now i'm i'm willing to like treat them as 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 a company that has made a good faith effort to to change uh what needed changing and we just don't see that i think in the the larger scale companies that have these these uh scandals and allegations show up like we saw with Blizzard, J. Allen Brack is gone, which uh, as as leader, like I, I don't I don't remember anything specific to him, any specific allegations against him. But as as a leader of the, the company, I like sure he, he should be gone after after everything that happened. But the problem is like that was that wasn't him falling on his sword and walking away. That was like Activision Blizzard parent company. That was that was Bobby Kotick throwing Brack on the sword in the hopes that it would stop with him. Um, and and Kodak is still there, you know? You, you look at Riot Games and the senior leadership is still there. Scott Gelb, uh, notorious for farting on employees and smacking their testicles. Uh, he of the, like, three-month suspension slash paid vacation. Um, he's still there. Uh, and and there's, there's just, like, a demonstrable lack of accountability throughout the the AAA games industry when these things happen. So I, I am not prepared to um, give Ubisoft much in the way of a benefit of the doubt. 
Like I, I have, I would be surprised if the situation there is as bad as it was two years ago. And if the stories are as bad as what we heard for years and years, I suspect that they have made uh, some improvements because when the spotlight is on you, um, you, you do, you know, try to at least cover up your dirt. Um, but I, I, I'm not ready to like accept their word for it that a, they are doing everything they can to improve it. Um, because you know, the reasons I already mentioned or, or that B it's, it's already been fixed. One of the things that jumps out to me is that during your interview, um, he, he says something to the effect of, we want Ubisoft to be somewhere where everyone wants to work. And when, when I read that line, like I stopped, I stopped there and I really, you know, just sat there and stewed with it because I, picking back off what, what Brendan said, you know, I thought about, you know, all the news that we got regarding allegations and I've said this before and so has everyone else on a podcast at one point or another. It, it, it's one thing when it's like one or two individuals, but as, as you can see in our interview, when we literally can point to a quote unquote list of people, you know, that's concerning right and to to also echo what what brendan said you know while i was reading that interview and i was looking at the presentation of what happened uh you know with assassin's creed and whatnot i was just thinking about like how much has changed at that company i mean we know changes haven't made we we don't know to what degree and the whole time i was reading james's um interview and we're striking that balance of asking the ceo of this very big very um you know this game company that's just going to be there and whether or not bad things happen um i think james also um there was a very poignant line that james had as well that said you know the business still has to run right and i think that that's something that given that and we want this a place to be where everyone works it's that just how i i guess the question i often ask myself is just how much of that is is authentic as far as we know because we'll we'll never really know right because we 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 don't work there so you know we're reading these reports and we get these news reports and we're looking at better ubisoft about you know things are still not satisfactory to where they want it um people who have had allegations allegedly are still there you know they're their, they're their face of like certain big franchises so you know it just gives you pause right it's just one of those things i i I think about and from my understanding and please please correct me this is an honest question he has been ceo since 1988 is that right yeah that's correct so this is this is part of the issue i mean he's unlikely to ever step down because this is a family business like the the guillermo family were in i believe it was farming something completely different Mm. and they the brothers kind of set up a different different types of businesses to kind of diversify and, and have uh alternate revenue schemes in they started ubisoft in 1986 okay. i believe 88 um Gimo took over like you know, kind of was formally made ceo because i would imagine it was a much much smaller company back then so this is like his business more so than most ceos in the company so i can i can sort of understand why we're well, not not understand i he, I, I don't expect him to step down. It is unlikely for him to step down from this company that he created and has run this entire time. And like, you know, when he's talking about the, the future of the company, the future of the industry, like 
as much as it is a very kind of tailored presentation for the media and probably a rehearsal for a probably a rehearsal for a presentation to investors, um, it, he clearly has some level of optimism about both the future of Ubisoft and the future of his company. Uh, sorry, uh, the future of Ubisoft and the future of the industry. So, yeah, it, it is unlikely he's going to step down. Like, I, I can see why he, he he believes himself to be the one to write this. Um, building on Brendan's point, like, you know, you're right, absolutely right. At AAA level, we have not seen the level of accountability we've seen at... Um, Indies that have have been faced with these sort of allegations, like as, as you say, Jalen Brack is the only person I can think of that has stepped down, and as you say, that was very much kind of a being thrown on a sword rather than falling on a sword. But I would add that it's more disruptive, it's more potentially damaging to a business for a CEO of a AAA company to step down around this sort of thing and then try, have to try and find a, a replacement than it is at a smaller studio. I could be wrong on that, but that's just my, my view of it. Um, I'm not excusing the fact that AAA leaders stay in place. I'm just saying like that. that's why, like, you know, like grander scheme of things, I imagine they believe they can weather this storm and then crack on. I imagine they believe that to be the easier path forward in terms of like the one that's going to be less disruptive to the business than them stepping down and then had the you know, the company having to scrabble and find a find a replacement. The other thing that that jumped out to me, you know, just just following along with what you said about um how he wants to be there and you know steering the ship. I guess that's also like an analogy for like skull and bones, you know, pirate you know ship. Anyway, that was kind of corny. Anyway, the point I'm really trying to make is that um. You know, during this past uh, presentation, I was just thinking about, like, the changes that the company's made. And, you know, I'm watching the show. I'm seeing that the the first um, part of the presentation before the Assassin's Creed um, news, you know, I'm seeing the hosts, you know, they're, they're folks of color. They're, I, I'm fairly certain they do hold senior positions. And, you know, that's cool just seeing all that different stuff. Is I like seeing stuff like that because that tells me that the company is aware of okay where we do need to show you that you can indeed work here here's proof you know things like that that makes sense that's great but then when it transitioned to the assassin's creed part it 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 was really interesting because assassin's creed mirage as we know it is going to take place in 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 baghdad and obviously that's a country with a lot of different kind of um folks cultures religions you know, um, different folks of color, um, mainly brown folks, obviously. So it's like, I'm keeping that in mind. But like, the senior people that they show in charge didn't quite reflect that. And then I just like, I just I was like, hmm, interesting. You know, the things like that, that just makes me think, you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not saying that there aren't uh, diverse or folks of color that don't work on the Assassin's Creed series because one, that's not true from a number standpoint because there's a lot of people working on that and there's literally different number of those games, so that obviously can't be true. But you know, I think about like it would have been nice to show us like new or senior people that we were not familiar with, you know, given that you've changed. You know, it was just a thought. I'm and, and I'm not saying that it wasn't because they did show us like um female leadership and that is important like i'm never going to take that away but 
this all goes back to the larger conversation that, that I think we're trying to have here, right? It's about, quote unquote, we want Ubisoft to be a place where everyone wants to work is what is what I'm trying to say. So it, it, it's one of those things where I step back and I, and I think, hmm, interesting. So I, I agree with Brendan. Like I'm on, I'm thinking, well, we're two years removed from those series of allegations, but I'm really pensive on how I feel about you being better. Yeah, well, one thing I'll, I'll say is, is when, like, because sometimes I, I see pushback against presentations where people feel like, oh, they're spotlighting the diversity in the company or whatever, and, and they're doing it in like a checklist kind of way that they're doing token representation and putting different people. And and there's definitely, you know, like that is less than ideal. Um, but it's still something that I sort of, I welcome just because it normalizes it, you know, like when it's, it's pride month and then your local bank has a pride flag in the window or whatever. And it's like, you know, that's not going to be like a sincerely held belief (laughs) from, from, you know, some, some mega corporation there. Um, and that it's just using it for marketing purposes, but it's using it for marketing purposes and it's also normalizing it and making it a completely non-controversial thing to happen. It's making it expected and, and standard. And, uh, I am, I, I, I feel like I tend to be a little, um, welcoming of that while recognizing that it, you know, it might not be. It might not be perfect or sincere or ideal, but it it, it does help reinforce um, that this is you know should be normal and a good thing, and and that's something that that works for improvement in the future. As Jeffrey brought up, they they announced a lot of things around the showcase. Um, I got to see some of it. Uh, I'd still just kind of teasing trailers and stuff when we, when I went to um, the Ubisoft thing, but I thought it. Decent lineup. I'm 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 particularly intrigued by what they're planning to do with their big franchises, um, and and most notably Assassin's Creed. So Assassin's Creed was the big one. Like yo, Ubisoft Forward, all in all, was about an hour and twenty minutes. But the last twenty minutes of that were this Assassin's Creed showcase, and they announced they they well they they confirmed that Mirage is real. So Mirage is a kind of a spin off of Valhalla with one of the characters, the you know ninth century Baghdad. Much more in keeping with the original Assassin's Creed, and um, when the the voiceover over that trailer you know goes on about like the tenets of the Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, like I, I seem to remember that being core to the you know the start the, the very first game, and it feels much more like okay, this is going to be about taking down targets, protecting the innocent, you know the the atmosphere of the first game. So really trying to hark back. But they also showed where they're going in future. So we've got uh, Codename Red is the next one, which is going to the next big one from Quebec, which is the Odyssey team. That's going to be um, feudal set in feudal Japan, which is everyone for decades has been saying we need, you know, Assassin's Creed ninjas essentially. Um, I was very intrigued by this this Infinity stuff. So they announced Infinity a couple of years ago. Infinity isn't... And, and they said that Assassin's Creed Infinity is going to be a live service. And I think we all took that to be, or certainly I took that to be, 
almost kind of Halo Infinite style, right? Here's a game that we're going to expand over time. We're going to have seasonal events. We're going to add expansions. It's just this one game that is... You know, the next few Assassin's Creed are all bundled into this one game. And yes, there'll probably be microtransactions galore. That's not what this is. This seems to be like some sort of desktop app that tries to pretend your computer is the Animus and lets you essentially like... They're not 100% clear on this yet because it's too early, but it sounds like it is. Here's this app that you use to launch or buy all the different Assassin's Creed games, going back to the original ones, but then also all the ones that are coming out in future. And then in and around that, there'll be extra stuff to do, like I imagine, like, you know, perhaps read some of the comics, or there'll be like messages and emails and stuff around that present day meta story that runs throughout the series. And that is now going to be primarily, if not entirely, done through Infinity. I don't know whether that's going to work. I think that's interesting. Like essentially making like a very specific Assassin's Creed Steam, perhaps. Yeah, um, I, I hate this. <laughs> I, I really like. I'll, I'll, I'm just. I, I heard about this, and the first thing I thought was like, okay, I'm going to get on a computer, and I can fire up Steam, and then I'm going to open up Assassin's Creed Infinity, which will log me into UPlay, and then I will go to the store to buy a new Assassin's Creed game, which I will load up, and then I will download like the Discovery Mode update, which is the one thing that I actually want to play in that. <laughs> and it's it's like that nesting doll of platforms and services and places for technical issues to crop up and and i mean i'm old man yelling at clouds here but like i i really truly miss the days of like you know i bought an nes game and i put it in the system and it starts and that is it only only if you blew on the cartridge properly yeah so it's yeah. it's it's just like this <laughs> everyone wants to be a platform holder everyone wants to yeah. have a layer in between the 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 game and the distribution experience and they they just want to they want another place to sell you stuff and it's 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 a bummer they already they already do this to an extent now anyway like the other day i actually fired up um I tried Assassin's Creed Origins on the cloud. I tried the cloud version of Assassin's Creed Origins. Just thought, ah, oh, I wonder if I can play this without having to spend hours to install it again. I wonder if it remembers where I am. And it does, but like on the lo- on the menu, and they've done this for Origins Odyssey and Valhalla, there are adverts already there for like, hey, you know, buy Odyssey, buy Valhalla, and you click and it takes you straight through to the, the store listing on the Microsoft store. Like, So they already were sort of doing this. I mean, like they, they pitch it as you know this wonderful place that fans can use to get all of their Assassin's Creed in one place. All the games, all the meta story experiences, all this, but it's blatantly going to be packed full of adverts and and you know, and, and potentially like transaction, you know, like buying boosters and stuff for each game. I don't know. It's we haven't seen it yet, but yeah, I'm not overly optimistic. It, it sounds like it sounds like the sort of thing that that seems good on paper. Like here's this one stop place where you can play all the Assassin's Creed games, but in practice, it's as you say, Brendan, just kind of a mess of systems and potentially technical issues. 
And it's it's an exhausting experience, I find. This is why I stopped playing a lot of mobile free-to-play games. Is just I, mm. I got tired of of having to constantly make purchasing decisions, you know? Every yes. every screen basically there's like a button to go to the store and buy stuff. And it's like, do I need more gems? Do I need more of that premium currency? Should I should I buy the monthly pass? And and it's it, it just wears me down and and I don't I it's weird because Assassin's Creed has like been one of the the games where they um, they're like, oh, here's our our full featured AAA single player narrative driven blockbuster, almost sort of the old school experience. Um, but mm. they they just they can't help themselves, and they they you know are always looking for for new places to you know increase monetization and help pay for the incredibly bloated budgets these things have have uh produced and and i i find it exhausting i'll be more interested if they uh so one of the presentations we were given was by mark alexi cote who is the executive producer for the whole series he was talking about how the infinity approach as he kept on saying will enable other studios to make smaller Assassin's Creed experiences and do their own take on the the franchise. So rather than every Assassin's Creed being a 150-hour, ridiculously long, grind-level, sorry, grind-packed, level-gated mammoth, there will be some smaller games in in between from smaller studios. So he gave the example of, you know, Bordeaux is, um, Ubisoft Bordeaux is doing Assassin's Creed Mirage. That is already the most appealing Assassin's Creed I've I've had since they went open world. Like I'm I'm interested in Mirage. They mentioned uh, he was just drop name dropping studios, but he mentioned Ubisoft Sophia, which I believe Sophia did uh, Liberation, which was the Vita game, which I played a couple of years ago when it came out on Switch, and that's brilliant. It's a lot more focused, a lot more like Assassin's Creed, and and I think had some really interesting ideas about what they did with the character, what they did with the mechanics, what they did with the the context of the mechanics. Um, this is the one where like you play like the daughter of a noble, and if she goes around as a noble, she's treated dif- differently than if she's a sa- an, a, an assassin or a slave. And it's like, okay, you've you actually made class as a gameplay mechanic. It's, it's a really interesting way of doing it. I'd love to see more of that from Assassin's Creed. And it sounds like Infinity... Well, they, they're trying to position that Infinity will enable that. Whether or not it delivers it, I don't know. Ubisoft is kind of a, um, a spotty track record when it comes to taking their support studios and turning them into, you know, giving them like, here's your assignment as primary developer for a game, right? Um, the Skull and Bones is is the obvious uh, one, I think, just because that's, and it might might have turned out great for all I know, because it's apparently coming out soon, but um, it's been years and years we we went like three straight years or three out of four years where Ubisoft announced their year end financial results and the the headline on the the story was like Ubisoft reports record profits delays skull and bones. Um, that was you know that game had a very difficult development. Then you look at the the Prince of Persia remake um, that they mm-hmm. they've had their Indian studios taking lead on, and that's indefinitely delayed now i think um you've you've got U- U- ubisoft toronto 
was was a big one uh splinter cell blacklist it it came out it was it was a cromulent game but it it, it was a little bit uh disappointing i think in in terms of commercial performance um it's 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 not exactly like it, it seems to be a difficult step i think understandably for mm. a studio to make from like support studio to lead developer on a game so it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how these um various assassin's creed projects that they are planning to make with other studios uh turn out and as much as they they say they're trying to enable their support studios to take the lead on these sort of things and they've even said like they want individuals they want like they want to make it easier so like if you're an individual if you're at I know the Steep Studio or the Riders Republic Studio, but you really want to work in Assassin's Creed, they're going to try and enable that because they've learned that everyone can work remotely during the pandemic. But as you say, like the 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 history has been spotty, and I think you mentioned like you know the commercial expectations. I think the fact that Ubisoft's commercial expectations are growing, um, they they actually said like they want. Well, what was the recent announcement? That, that Two billion. Assassin's Creed. Right, yeah. So two billion is the new figure. Like Assassin's Creed Valhalla made a billion dollars in revenue. First Assassin's Creed to do that. I believe they said like Far Cry Six did particularly well. Maybe not that well, but certainly like Far Cry is getting to the stage where it's a billion dollar franchise. They want Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, and Tom Clancy combined to make two billion dollar uh, sorry two billion euros every year within five years. Now that's a lot, particularly given that you're not going to have annual Assassin's Creeds or Far Cry's or Tom Clancy games. So there's a lot of rotation there. There's not a lot of um, margin for error. And it echoes, I remember when Activision Blizzard used to want all of their franchises to be a billion dollar franchise. And if a, if a title wasn't shaping up to be a billion dollar franchise, if a series wasn't growing at the rate they expected, it got dropped. And that's why we've got such a, you know, we've seen such a narrowing of Activision Blizzard's portfolio. I mean, they've even dropped Guitar Hero. Like, you know, Guitar Hero was at one point a billion dollar franchise, or certainly was a very lucrative franchise. That's been dropped, and now it is just Call of Duty and just Warcraft. Like, if Act- if Ubisoft goes more that direction, and places so much expectation on that franchise is generating that levels of money it doesn't leave a lot of room for smaller projects it doesn't leave a little room for new ip or experimental titles i was intrigued to see the fact they're going to do a valiant hearts 2 on mobile in partnership with netflix like that's going to be out that's that's out like uh january what you know valiant hearts was always that what that example did you miss this bit i i missed this bit <laughs> um Valiant Hearts they was ex- my my game of the year for like what 2014 or something here on the site and I I I don't I don't think that game needs a sequel. I don't think that you is it World War 2 now? I don't know. I, all I've seen all that they showed was a logo. Uh, but um yeah, like so so the partnership with Netflix they are doing three games with Netflix that go straight to Netflix's app that are available to subscribers. The usual kind of, you know, subscribers get them at no additional cost. You know, no in-game purchases, no advertising. Um, Valiant Hearts 2 is uh, being released in January 2023. Same team as the first game and a new story. But that is all they've said. 
Um, a sequel to Mighty Quest, which is a roguelite hack and, hack and slash, will be released later in 2023. And then there's going to be an original Assassin's Creed mobile game for Netflix subscribers that is not codenamed Jade, which is the open world ancient China mobile RPG that they announced during the showcase. Like, Valiant Hearts is always one they put up there. And they're like, even during this event, like they mentioned, like, you know, Ubisoft like, really kind of tried to do kind of indie experiments like Valiant Hearts and grow home and it's like yeah but those games are so long ago as you say valiant hearts was 2014 nearly 10 years like i if they're pushing for these you know this two billion dollar sorry two billion euro revenues from three franchises every year i can't see much resource being put behind things like valiant hearts yeah so the the thing i while i was watching all this i, I kept thinking so what what about the other franchises that that you have? you know um i was wondering about um you know what about the next watchdogs installment um they even though during the presentation they mentioned an update to division that that's coming soon um but yeah i just kept thinking about well outside of assassin's creed what else is there and sure we have um skull and bones is coming out uh soon but the offerings are looking quite well it wouldn't be fair to say homogeneous because even though it's the franchise they don't necessarily need to all play the same but that that's the question i was asking myself so outside outside of assassin's creed what else is there you know as you mentioned uh valiant hearts i was thinking okay well what what else is there to look forward to so this is this is the thing about um ubisoft i guess is like they they get a they get a lot of flack for like oh everything's just a map with icons splattered everywhere um but i i think they actually especially when you compare them to something like activision um they've they've got a pretty good diversity of of offerings uh like you've got uh for honor it's kind of their their fighting game the they've they've got you know multiple tom clancy titles they've they've got roller champions they tried hyperscape um they got track mania uh they they and every now and then they'll throw in like a rayman thing this mario and rabbits kind of stuff so like there there is there is a pretty good diversity there for a triple a publisher in 2022 i think but when i look at all those offerings I don't see much that's going to really grow or move the needle or become a bigger deal than it already is in the coming years. And that's that's something that that I think because like I mentioned a bunch of stuff right there and how many of those things were you like, yeah, but no one cares about that. I yeah, you know, that that that's a question that that's a good point because they do offer other other titles within um, their their catalog uh, for for consumers, and one is escaping me right now, and it is literally on. Just give me one minute. I just want to make sure if this was a. Oh, okay. R- Roller Champions. There we go. I I completely forgot that this this is also one of their titles, and this is something else that that's different that they offer. So yeah, to your point, you're you're right there. They still do offer us different kind of games, you know, Riders Republic. Uh, you have Roller Champions, and you know, different offerings. 
So, right, it's not fair to call them the Assassin's Creed Company, even though they, they obviously focus on that to let everyone know they're making a big push for this because they, they understand that's where the revenue is coming. Because, again, Valhalla made $1 billion. Not a lot of games can do that. I, I, I mean, like, it, my, my thing is just that so many of these franchises feel tired to me. Mm. Um, you know, the, the Tom Clancy stuff I've been tired of for a long time um, just because I burned out on shooters and anything military-themed. But, like, I don't, I don't see For Honor or Rocksmith or Riders Republic or, you know, I, I, I don't see these things, like, there being a whole bunch of inherent demand for them and the company's efforts to, to go into free-to-play and... Oh, they've got like a new, the Avatar game mm-hmm. coming out. I <laughs> Avatar is very much like you know the rest of the Ubisoft catalog. Like I don't think that film is. I'm just a pessimist. Um, I'm realizing <laughs> as I talk about this. Beyond Good and Evil too, like that could be big, but I don't have any faith in them to actually you know make it in a way that um, that 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 pays off the incredibly long wait and expectations that people have built up for that um immortals phoenix rising like that seemed like their their zelda breath of the wild like uh play and it got decent reviews but like i don't i don't see them announcing an immortals 2 that that gets everyone super stoked you know i don't i don't see far cry 7 uh, taking that franchise up to another level. I don't, I don't see Skull and Bones after such a long and troubled development period really, because it started off as like people liked Assassin's Creed Black Flags ship-to-ship combat, right? Right. And they're like, why don't we build a whole game around that? And now they're talking about, you know, like this game is like coming almost a decade after Black Flag. Um, and And it's... I'm sure people might like it, but I, I I don't I don't see it being like you know the the massive kind of here's another Assassin's Creed franchise for us. So I don't know, Just Dance. I don't I don't think that's um, got yeah. <laughs> legs. Uh, so to speak, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 obviously had impressive legs to this point, and it still is has done really well for the company. But like, I don't I don't think that's getting any bigger. I don't know. Uh, U- Ubisoft. This is something that I've that I've had an issue with, like looking around the um, the industry, and it might just be me being like jaded and pessimistic at this point. But I don't I don't look at any of the big publishers lineups and say like. Yeah, there's there's a lot of room to grow there. I got a had a Twitter thread a few days ago where I kind of went through them, and like Capcom, I think was the only one that I looked at that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could see them definitely, you know, continuing on their current trajectory and and doing well based on it. But a, a lot of a lot of the others like Activision, Call of Duty is is. I, I I don't know what Microsoft is getting with with a possible acquisition there. I don't I don't I don't know where they take Call of Duty from here that that could, you know, really help it just because 
it's showing signs of cannibalization from the mobile and the free to play and I don't know this this is getting off onto a different right. longer discussion but, um, um, but to your point though yeah it, it, it is hard to not um, I don't want to say tunnel vision but it, it's kind of hard to not just think of these companies outside of their big boombastic franchises and it's not necessarily it's not a failing obviously because they they want us to know this is what they're offering so i think that's where ubisoft is at they of course want us to know yeah you know we offer you all these things but hey if you like assassin's creed you got 15 years of it you're getting more yeah and that that can work i mean people people do still you know as much as i just talked about it possibly shrinking people like their call of duty still and and i do not understand the the boundless appetite for some of this stuff i you know i I, this might be a good note to end on um while while we were talking about everything and i was thinking about you know what the games offer people and what have you i was thinking about skull and bones um and, and assassin's creed and it's one thing I think it would be kind of hard to argue against Ubisoft is that they aren't aware of what people find interesting and not capitalizing on that because we have a whole pirate game that's coming. Well, another one, excuse me, and not not to steal Thunder from Sea of Thieves that's coming out soon. And more Assassin's Creed because people like being an assassin and the olden days to take out horrible people. They love people. creeds. <laughs> people love creeds. Kids, kids these days wild about creeds that's all we've got time for this week you can find all previous episodes of the podcast on your podcasting platform of choice and you can get more news insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz 